if there's a recurring theme through my career, it's that it's all about reinvention. And I think mm-hmm. this is an important thing for people that are listening to understand is that you always have to be looking at how you're going to have to reinvent yourself to take advantage of the changing times and the changing opportunities. This is the Job Stories Podcast, how people find work that matters. If you don't mind, just kind of what we just mentioned a little bit ago, do you mind to tell us what what is your job now? What is it that you're doing currently? My current job is uh, serving as president and CEO of the Greater Nashville Technology Council. Um, in in that role, I I lead a team of uh, ten people. We're small but mighty, and we are responsible for. Uh, really being the leading voice for all things tech in the Middle Tennessee area. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, an $8 billion ecosystem that exists and about 70,000 techies that live in this area. We, we feel like we represent all of them and are working daily to try and, uh, to try and not only grow those numbers, but to support, uh, support that community. Mm. That's awesome. So even getting in just real quick, I'm already thinking of stuff. But so with what you're doing right now, leading the team of 10 people you just mentioned, what's kind of something you focus on, an attribute from a leadership standpoint? I know this is going to be kind of a loaded question, but what's something you focus on as a leader? Is it kindness? Is it empathy? Like what are what's something that you kind of lean into as you're leading your team at the Nashville Tech Council? Yeah, it's uh, so that's an interesting question. When uh, when I started, which was back in 2016, I remember the chairman of our board uh, who hired me sitting down and saying, "Don't you mess up this team? <laughs> <You know? laughs> culture is culture is everything. Don't mm. don't destroy the culture." And it's like, mm. "Holy cow! What does that mean?" <laughs> mm. Yeah. You know, I um, I believe that. Um, it's important to lead by example. Mm. Um, I, I think that a leader who's not willing to, uh, to dig in and be involved in the day-to-day uh, activities right alongside the team is not a leader that you can easily follow. Um, you know, I, mm. I think leadership is something that's earned. It's not something that's uh, that you're given when you're hired or with a title, you've you've got to earn that, and you've got to earn that respect mm-hmm. from from your employees. And I just think, you know, servant leadership comes to mind. I just think, um, if if I'm being successful, that means that the people that work for me are being successful. That's the only way that I'm going to be successful is is if I help them to be successful first. And Mm -hmm. that's the approach that I've tried to take through my career. That's great. Even going further back. Thank you for that. I love that. Even going further back, kind of how did it start for you? What was like, where'd you go to school? Like how did, what kind of got you on your path to where you are today? So that's a very long story. (laughs) How much time do we have? We're going to do about 20 minutes. Summarize it however you want. That's no problem. That's no problem. So if there's a recurring theme through my career, it's that it's all about reinvention. 
And I think this is an important thing for people that are listening to understand is that you always have to be looking at how you're going to have to reinvent yourself to take advantage of the changing times and the changing opportunities. So I, um, I was in my, I was, I was in my senior year at, uh, in college and that was at, it's changed names. When I went there, it was the university of Missouri at Rolla. Now it's a, a much fancier name. It's the Missouri school of science and technology, but, um, I was in my senior year and dropped out to start my first company. And, um, that company was in a completely unrelated field to what I do now. It was financial planning. I, I got my Series 7th license and I was selling investments and um, really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed that work through a series of conditions, some of which I had no control over and some of which I did. Um, I found myself needing to switch careers. I got married. I had a family. Um, and I, I, I needed to make some changes in, in my professional life. And I moved over into the consumer electronics uh, business and spent many years there, uh, which was electronic. To me, that's tech. It's a different kind of tech than we think of, but, mm. but to me, that's tech. So, you know, this was selling, um, uh, Kenwood and TAC home and car audio products. It was, it was fun for a young guy to be involved in, in that business. But, um, you know, I had, I had to learn the business. I had to reinvent myself to become expert in that and work my way up to where I was, um, uh, a sales manager over, uh, a, a four and a half state region and had different salespeople working for me. And, and we were selling, uh, electronics in that um, in that four and a half states, and there was a company from the UK that came to the United States. Company's name was Scion, P S I O N, and they had. So this is I've been around for a while. This was the late '80s, and they had this device that they called the Organizer. So think about a little bit bigger than this, quite a bit thicker. Um, but it was one of the very first handheld computers. And so they said, one day, everybody is going to carry one of these. And it's going to be your address book. And it's going to be your phone book. It's going to be your calendar. It's going to, um, it's, it's going to organize your life. And they came to organizations like ours to try to get placement for this product. And I just bought into that hook, line, and sinker. You know, I walked away from that initial meeting thinking, man, this is so cool. And I started to teach myself to code. So I did not, I studied economics when I was in college and engineering management. I didn't study computer or computer science or software development. I taught myself how to do that. So mm. here comes the next version of Brian Moyer and teaching myself to code so that I could get into the tech business, the tech industry. And there was a, um, a friend of mine that worked at a hospital that had a problem he was trying to solve. And he said, I think this handheld computer that you've got here could help me solve that problem. And so I applied my very newly uh, formed computing skills to write an application to help him solve his problem in this hospital. And that led to, um, uh, to compress this story a lot, that led to a suite of products that various hospitals in Missouri 
paid me to develop for them. And along the way, along that journey, I met some people in Nashville and realized what healthcare meant to Nashville or what Nashville meant to healthcare, however you want to look at that, but it's healthcare that brought me here. In 97, I merged my company with a company that, that already existed here in town and uh, relocated the company down here. And then my wife and I moved down in 1999 um, to continue to grow this tech company that had been started in Missouri. Um, and then ended up uh, selling out uh, that company and starting another company in 2010. Um, learned a whole new set of skills. It was still technology, developing new products. Ended up doing some, some consulting work, learning a lot of new things. And then a friend of mine who was a CEO of a software company uh, asked if I'd be interested in coming to work with him to as a CIO, chief information officer, uh, at his company. And uh, basically the goal was, yeah, I was going to come in and we were going to um, prop this company up and sell it in two years and you know make some money and, and go about our life. Uh, so reinvention number four is mm. learning to be a CIO, mm. uh, which is similar, but different from what I'd been doing, you know, much more in the weeds, much more focused on certain things where I'd had a broad focus as, as a CEO or an owner of a company in the past. Um, and then after three years of doing that, the, the company had not sold and it didn't look like that was going to happen anytime soon through a whole variety of reasons. Um, I started looking at what might be next for me and um, sat down with a friend of mine that's a career coach. And he was taking me through this process of, you know, what's important to you that day in his office, the chairman of the board of the tech council called him and said, the CEO has just turned in his resignation. We're looking, we're, we're starting a search today uh, for his replacement. And I just wanted to let you know so that you can have that on your radar. So the three things as we went through this process that were important from my perspective was has to be Nashville based, has to be tech. And I'd had some interesting uh, experiences running Tennessee HIMS, the health information management systems, um, it, a few years back. And so nonprofit was on that list of three things that were very interesting to me. And here came this opportunity with the tech council hmm. right there on that day. Hmm. So that's, believe it or not, a condensed version of how I got to where I am. Yeah, that's great. This podcast has turned out to be a little bit two-folded, honestly. Um, it's very it's very helpful for, I think, entrepreneurs. And then also, you know, as we do tech recruiting, I think there's a candidate side too. So we have kind of two audiences. And I think talking about reinventing yourself and even getting a career coach, maybe a mentor, things like that, I think are very helpful for entrepreneurs. So it's really cool to hear your story in that way. It is. And I've not been one. So this is an exception. And so learn from my mistake, you know, do what I say, don't do what I do. I've, I've not generally speaking throughout my career been one to go out and seek out mentors for whatever reason, you know, part of it is, I dropped out of college, and so I didn't have that degree. And that was always in the back of my mind. Mm. You know, I wondered, am I worthy? Because mm. I didn't have that. Um, never once did anybody ask me about that, ever. Mm. So uh, the second was 
since I taught myself to code, and here I am running a software company selling software that I had no formal education creating, you know, I always had that imposter syndrome going on, you know, it is, is what I created here worthy and worthwhile. And so for, for a number of reasons, I think I was afraid if I, if I went out and found a, a mentor, all that would do is highlight all the things that I didn't know. So this is all the wrong reasons to not get a mentor. You know, this is why you need a mentor. I, that's just what was going on in my mind. Sure. And so again, learn from my mistake yeah. and take advantage of those people that can help you along your career path. Mm. Brian, if you think back to when you first took the current position you're in <clears throat> and then we had the pandemic and then we're life um, at the tail end of the pandemic, hopefully. Um, and you think about what companies want. So um, maybe, maybe that's a candidate with, um, good technical skills, or um, maybe these, maybe candidates with these certain set of soft skills. Um, how have, have those changed at all since in the and over the course of the last five years? Have have what companies wanted has that changed at all in your opinion? Mm-hmm. What are you hearing? So it is changing, and I don't know if it's. I think it's a combination of what's happened over the past two years, just the craziness that is a global pandemic and shutting down the economy and sending people home. Um, But I think it's also a result of, man, this demand for tech talent just isn't going away. I don't see it going away ever, maybe, because technology is eating the world. It's it's. um, now they say software is eating the world. I, I think it's technology in, in a more general way is, is, and I just think there's going to be this ever increasing and continued demand for talent. And it so, it so exceeds the supply coming out of our colleges and the supplies coming out of all sources of talent right now that it's forcing employers to look at things differently. So an interesting, uh, an interesting thing I heard and this goes back before the maybe three years before the pandemic, but I, I read a report. It was Google's 10th anniversary. So whenever that was, you know, three or four years ago, and they went back and looked at um, all the people that they had hired for the past 10 years, trying to determine, can we figure out what the silver bullet is here? What, what's, Mm. what's really, what really determined our most successful hires. And when they started their their motto or mantra was hire only the best from the best schools. And what they found was it really wasn't at all the technical skills that they thought they were hiring coming out of these schools that was the most important factor in the success of their employees. It was problem-solving skills. It was the ability to communicate. It was the relationship skills. And so I I thought that was... I thought that was fascinating. And, and my question, I'm sure you guys live with this every day too. When our member companies say, you know, I'm looking for, I just can't find people with two to five years worth of experience. That, that's, that's the magic thing. Two to five years worth of experience. My question is, okay, define what you mean by that. Are, do you really think that you need somebody that's been coding or, you know, administering a network or whatever it is that you're, that you're wanting to hire? that they've been doing that for 
for three to five years? Or are you really looking for somebody that's mature that has three to five years of life experience? Mm. And in the end, that's more what they need. It's just somebody that they can trust to come in and show up to work on time, whether that's remote or in person, it doesn't matter, but get the job done that they were hired to do. Um, And that's not necessarily what you get with um, hiring entry-level people right out of school. Sometimes it is, and other times it's not because they just don't have that maturity yet or experience. And that's why I love, and I'll put in a plug here for our local um, boot camps, but that's why I love the boot camp model because you're taking somebody who's 30 to 35 years old, who's been out in the workplace, who knows what it's like, and maybe even find themselves in a in a situation where they're stuck, you know, they're working two jobs and they just don't know how to break out of this cycle that they're in and giving them an opportunity to learn a new skill, to move into the tech workforce and get hired. They are such good and loyal employees because they're just so appreciative of the opportunity Mm. instead of what sometimes happens. I don't want to, I don't want to lump all, brand new college graduates into this entitled kind of label. But that's what you get many times is, hey, I'm entitled. You know, I, I have my I have my degree. I'm entitled to this uh, to this job instead of, man, I appreciate this mm-hmm. job and the opportunity that you're giving me. Mm-hmm. When adding on to that. So I'm curious, how would you coach us? To because we talk to hiring managers all the time that give us the same response that you started out that question with is like they need two to five years of cloud migration experience or two to five years of Mm. data science skills. They need to know Python and R and Hadoop. Um, How how would you like coach us to get to get uh, the hiring managers to look at okay, but what else do you want? Mm. What else do you see that you need? Um, what soft skills do you think um, this person needs to have to bring the most value to the team? Yeah. That is a great question and one that I wrestle with. You know, um, you're lucky if you're able to have that conversation because what happens so often is, yes. you know, they, they run their resume through some kind of an automated reader and it gets yep. kicked out before you even have the chance to talk to uh, to the person. Absolutely. Um. This is, I host a, a, a group of tech CEOs. We've got a group on LinkedIn and there was a conversation going uh, this morning about the, the talent shortage and, you know, what's, what's the solution? You know, and I think the solution is multifaceted. There is no one silver bullet that's going to solve this, but, you know, one was saying it's a leadership problem. It's not a, it's, it's not a talent pipeline problem. It's, it's leaders not understanding um, how to um, how to uh, mature their team and how to and how to recognize what their team needs and others are saying no it's something different. I just I think it's I think it's several things. I'm not answering your question because I don't really know what the answer is. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> one idea that I've heard of, and of course, Google doing something is very different from a small startup in Nashville. But one idea that um, 
I had heard, I cannot remember where I heard of this, but um, it was that you create your own talent pipeline. So yes. in some form or fashion, you create apprenticeships within your organization yes. that then become junior developers or that then be- become you pay 20 an hour and then um, level up to become junior developers. Have you, have you seen anybody do that and what's their success with that? And I have, and I'm seeing it more and more because really um, you have to, so the other question that I have back, so here's, here's maybe a, a question to go back to them when they say, I need this two to five years worth of experience. You know, I, I like to ask, all right, what have you done with the person that you hired two or three years ago to help them mature in their career? Mm-hmm. And generally they don't have an answer for that. Yeah. It's like, there's your problem. Because if you've got a process in place to take these junior people and to mature them within your organization, to make them into the person that you really want them to be, that's truly the answer. There's, there's a limited number of supply uh, of experienced people. I mean, that's just a fact. But if you can put a, a program in place to take these people coming, maybe even right out of high school or right out of college or right out of a boot camp, whatever the case may be, right out of the military or, you know, a... a um, a person, and I won't say this has to be female, but a, a parent that's been home because they wanted to be there to raise their kids, and now they're coming back into the workforce. How, however, it is that they're that they're looking to come back into the tech workforce. You have companies have to be looking at how can we take these people with kind of entry level skills right now and mature and grow them into the employees that we really need them to be. Mm-hmm. Those are the companies that are going to win. Some companies, Assurian, I'll you know give a shout out. They they actually have created an apprenticeship program where they're taking. So they hire a lot of um, customer support people, you know, because that's a big part of the service that they have. So they hire a lot of customer support people, and they're looking at these people and realizing some of these are really talented. I mean. They know who the players, you know, A players are because they can they can look at uh, their performance right there on their very own teams. So they're providing an upward pathway for select employees to uh, get training to become a software developer so that they can move into some of these positions that are harder to fill than the customer support positions. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all, it's so uh, less disruptive and less expensive to promote from within than to lose an employee and bring somebody in and have Absolutely. to train them on, uh, you know, the culture and the company. I, I love that. And other other companies here in the area, and I know this is happening across the country, but other Nashville employers are are doing the same thing. And we're trying to encourage those and and trying to tell these stories. Uh, that's great. This may be uh, kind of more another chance for you to shout out what you're doing at Nashville Tech Council and, and just the organization in general. But we encourage candidates kind of getting into the job market, looking for jobs to the first thing is try to find some community, whether that be events in town, things like you do, you all do at the NTC, 
Uh, maybe it's Discord. Maybe it's something online. Maybe they're not as good as kind of meeting in person. But do you mind to just expand on that thought a little bit about the importance of building community, especially as you're trying to enter the job market or get back into the job force like you just mentioned? I think it's critical. Mm-hmm. I think that's it, it's excellent advice. We've always, you know, our membership is company-based, mm-hmm. but we've never really we've never really set our goals on growing the number of company members that we have. We've set our goals on the broader community uh, and growing the, the tech workforce. We think, we just think that community is so important. And I think it's one of the things Nashville has to sell. I mean, as you're talking to people um, who might be evaluating Nashville versus some other comp- uh, uh, communities that they could move to regions, they could move to. I think the community here that they can get plugged into both the tech community and the creative community, which are so closely aligned, um, is is great. But yeah, talking about earlier, finding that mentor, you know, if you're not out and meeting people, how are you going to find that mentor? How are you going to, it's probably even more important today because with so many people working remote, here's here's what concerns me about all of the remote work is, how, as a new employee, are you ever going to um, uh, improve yourself if you don't have people that are senior to you that you're interacting with every day and sitting right next to and listening to their conversations and listening to their phone calls and able to see the work that they're doing? That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's concerning to me. I mean, I think there's a lot of benefits to the flexibility of, of remote work, but that's the one that I think is going to really cause challenges for employers. It's, they lose that, that human touch, and especially as it relates to mentorship. So if that's the situation that you're in and many people are still working remote now, how do you get that mentorship? You need to, you need to make a, a concerted effort to go out and uh, meet people and go to events. Now, it doesn't have to be NTC events, but there's there's a lot of different ways to to meet people in town, and you need to be doing that. Absolutely, but also come to the NTC events, right? I but come also to come to the yeah, NTC yeah. events, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I've been to quite a few. I appreciate what y'all do in town, and yeah, I appreciate your work. So we're kind of running up on time, I think. Is there anything else that you might want to kind of talk about that what's coming down the line for you or for the NTC, anything to promote um, while we got you on the air? So we have on uh, April 7th, our tech summit. Uh, It's actually a combination of what has traditionally been uh, an IT summit. We're trying to expand and broaden the content. So we're calling it, we're rebranding it as a tech summit. And then our annual meeting, which is, you know, we induct somebody into the Hall of Fame and we have kind of a report on the, the, the last year's um, success and what, and what next year looks like. So we're combining all those into one meeting. It's going to take place uh, April 7th down at the Nashville Hilton. Cool. So that's a great place to go. There'll be several hundred people there. A, a great place to start your networking activity if you haven't been to anything. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, I will, we'll make sure and link that whenever we post this for April 7th so people can see that for sure. Is there anything else, Matthew? Yeah. Where would you like people to connect with you, Brian? So I'm pretty easy to find. Uh, on LinkedIn, it's uh, LinkedIn slash BD Moyer. Um, on Twitter, it's at BD Moyer. Um, 
you can you can reach me at the Tech Council, Brian at technologycouncil.com. I don't know how we ever ended up with that URL, but it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's great. And, and then uh, my, my personal email is brian at briandmoyer.com. Um, I will be transitioning away from the Tech Council probably uh, sometime in April or May. And so, you know, still want to stay involved, still want to stay connected, still more than happy to uh, to have conversations like this or people that are looking for, uh, for insight or help. So don't hesitate to reach out. Awesome. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on. This has been awesome. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good to see you guys. Have a great day.